0: You're listening to, wait, am I an adult now? One of the only podcasts out there that interviews young millennials riding the squiggly line of life. We're your co-hosts, Shelby Wildgust
1: and Savon Picciotto. And together, our mission is to inspire you with stories of millennials just like you who are paving their way in the new creative economy. Our guests
0: are leading epic lives through entrepreneurship, artistry, charity, music, corporate leadership, and so much more. Are you ready to jump in? Let's go.
1: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wait, Am I an Adult Now? This is Shelby Wildgust. And this is Savan Petrotto. And today's episode is one that is so special to me because we have a very special guest, and I have 100% mentioned her on previous episodes because, to be quite honest, she's been a huge catalyst for not only my personal Businesses, my career, but also this podcast. And she really has been someone who, without her, I don't know if Savannah and I would be here today on this podcast. Wow. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steph, don't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No pressure, no pressure. So, who we have with us today is the amazing Steph Gold, who has been not only a coach for me in the past, but a friend, a cheerleader, someone who I look up to immensely. And I can't wait to dive in deep with her today about, you know, what has been her journey in becoming an adult and hashtag adulting and also helping a lot of women do the same from a standpoint of opening up their own coaching businesses and getting out of their comfort zone. And being paid what they deserve and how to ask for these kinds of things that she helped me do in so many ways. So before we do
0: that, Savan, what do we have to do? We're going to get into our adulting moments of the week. Shelby, do you want to start? Sure. I'll start. So I feel
1: like the last, I don't know, five episodes of my adulting moments have pretty much all been around my wedding. Um, because that's like a pretty big adulting moment yeah. to be totally honest like that I think is like other than having a baby and like buying your first house like I think getting married is like the adulting moment and today one of my bridesmaids texted me and she's like I'm standing here in the dressing room getting my dress altered like it's just hitting me that you're getting married and this has been my best friend since age five and she's like I feel like it was just yesterday we were 13 years old, like just being like the absolute weirdest people ever. And like going to Jessica McClintock to buy dresses for bar mitzvahs. And now like I'm in my dress for your wedding. Like, I just can't believe it. Like I'm crying and I haven't cried yet. Like I haven't gotten to that point where I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting married. Um, but yesterday I kind of started that cause I had my bridal shower and, um, I'm 25 days away. So by the time this episode airs, I will be a married woman. Um, that's crazy. And it's just insane. So I guess my adulting moment is kind of the whole thing of getting married. And um, it's starting to all become very, very real.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's awesome. That. <laughs> started to become a little bit more real when I saw you at the bridal shower too. I was like, wow. Like she's surrounded by all of her friends and family. I know, it was really cute. And it was just adorable. So yeah. that's awesome. My adulting moment is not nearly as like happy. I had a very selfish adulting moment and, um, I felt a little guilty about it. So this past week I was in Hawaii with my family and we all were scheduled to have flights to go home on a Thursday night. I believe at this point, I don't even know what day it was supposed to be anymore, but the airline completely messed up. They canceled our flight, not once, but twice. And the second time that they canceled our flight, I had it in my mind that I was like, I cannot stay on this island any longer. I don't care what it takes. I don't care who I have to push over. I am getting on a plane tonight and I'm getting home because I had something that I had to do Saturday night that was like, I had to go to a business conference and I'm like, I can't miss that. So um, with the grace, with the permission of my dad, he was just like, go see if you can find a flight. Don't worry about it and let me know what happens. So I like sprint over to Delta and I'm like talking to the lady, like, please get me on a flight to Philly. Like, I don't care what it is, what it costs. Like, please just get me on a flight back. So the lady was very nice. She was able to help me out. She got me a flight as quickly as possible, but I only had like 15 minutes to get from the check-in desk through. Hawaii doesn't only have like TSA, they have agriculture checks where they have, Mm -hmm. you have to put your bags through all these agricultural things. So I'm like running all over the place. I end up making it to the gate, getting on the plane. But I almost felt like crying because eight of my other family members were deserted now still in Hawaii for an extra day. And I just felt awful that I like just left them like that. I
1: mean, to be honest, like being deserted on Hawaii for an extra day doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. So I think you can release the guilt around that one because I'm sure they were OK. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Steph. What is your adulting moment of the week? Well, hello, all of you, and
2: thank you, Shelley, for that incredible introduction. You're the sweetest, and I'm just so honored to be here. Um, okay, so my moment actually hit, actually hit today. So um, I'm going over everything with my team, and I work from home, so my my team kind of comes to me. Well, I have I kind of have people in different states, but um, my Closest, um, what am I trying to say? My closest employee actually lives in St. Louis. So she comes over, and we're going through like the whole the whole week. What what do we need to do? What do we need to accomplish? How close are we to the goals? All the things. And I have actually taken in my boyfriend's nephew. So he's staying with me. So i have a five-year-old running around the house, which like nothing makes you feel older than like you're like working and there's a kid around and you're like, (laughs) like cartoons on. And it's just like not what I'm typically accustomed to. And then I get a knock on the door. I totally forgot that I had requested a bid on tuck pointing because my basement flooded. Like, how adult is that? And so I'm like, I go, I'm like walking with the the tuck pointing guy, the kid's running around with like a Halloween mask that he found. And it was just like one of those moments, this guy slaps me with a $4,500 estimate to like repair, essentially like storm, just like wear and tear, stuff that happens. Like when you own a house and you're an adult and it really was that moment of like because I didn't know up until this point I'm like what am I gonna say like what is what was my adult moment I'm like that was it like 100% (laughs) that was it when you're just like ooh, that like forgotten insurance bill or that forgotten you know just those things that
1: come up that you don't plan on I know Uh, it really does Like the slap in the face, like that's a real feeling. Like, I'm getting my car inspected tomorrow, and I know I'm looking at several hundred dollars, if not a thousand dollars, of like, you need to fix this. Like, you're gonna die if you don't do this. Like, hello. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, Yeah, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. But, you know, for all of you out there listening, you can probably resonate and, and relate, you know, all the things. This episode will hopefully fill you up with joy for 30 minutes and have you forget about all the bad things that might be happening as it pertains to adulting Um, because this person that we have on the podcast with us today, Steph Gold, is literally a ray of golden sunshine. Um, I'm so excited to interview her today and to have her share with all of you just her story of trying to figure out what exactly she wants to do with her life. Going through, you know, different stages, and ultimately coming out and becoming this beautiful stand for women, this beautiful voice for uh, female entrepreneurs who want to start their own coaching businesses but don't know really where to start, or they want to go from dreaming to doing, and all these amazing, amazing actions that need to be taken. Steph helps women do that. So, Steph, what I like to start really is where I like to start is. Who you were at eighteen, and and was that woman that you were at eighteen someone who had these big dreams, or at what point did you realize that you wanted to go down the entrepreneurial route?
2: Yeah, so honestly, I think for me it started like a little bit further back. I was sixteen. I was at an all-girls school. I had you know lived my life up to that point. Um, just like following the rules of being a good girl and not wanting to get in trouble. And, uh, so I was raised in a Catholic family. Um, you know, went to Catholic all girl school and I just cannot, I, I, I want to say that was like my first just gut wrenching. Like this is not right. This is not me. This is not where I'm supposed to be. And I was so uncomfortable in that space. Um, my soul was screaming at me to like move and, and make a change. And, when I finally listened, everything in my life shifted. So my junior year, I actually transferred to a co ed school. and um, it's a, it was a smaller school. I had 69 kids in my graduating class and there was just a ton of opportunity. It was like walk on sports. So I played um, three sports my senior year. I ran for president of student Council. I, I went from like being kind of in this, um saturated space of like if I hadn't been playing soccer my entire life, there was no way I was gonna make it at the all-girls school, right? If I hadn't been on select teams and doing all the things and that just wasn't who I was. Um so I went from being like feeling like I didn't fit in and there was no real place for me, right? To like all of a sudden I could just be do or have anything I wanted at this new school. And it was my senior year that I was really looking at colleges and I'm like, okay, what? where do I want to go? And, um, I apply- I knew I was obsessed with leadership. I had started like a leadership club at my, um, at my high school. And it was just like, everything was, was thriving. I was speaking in front of the school. I was loving what I was doing. And, um, so I knew I wanted to do something involving leadership. So I looked up literally like every college that was offering leadership at the time. There were 11, I applied to all 11 schools Um, and then from there I chose TCU and I chose TCU because they had leadership as they offered it as a minor, um, in psychology of leadership. And what I loved about that was it was all about literally like, how do we, what is the psychology behind leading people and empowering them and, and all the things. So that really lit me up. And then I majored in communication with an emphasis in, um, human relations. And I took a ton of writing courses. So taking tests was never a strength of mine. I didn't test well, but I could write a paper. And so, so I kind of just always played to my strengths and I just did things that I was good at and that I enjoyed. And then it was kind of like the, um, the breadcrumbs just kind of fell into place. I took a position on campus where I, was able to actually go to different conferences and find the speakers that they like hire speakers to come and speak to the student body, and so all of a sudden, I basically was responsible for like picking these guys up from the airport, like taking <laughs> them to dinner, and I would just pick their brain like How did you get to this place?" And if you ever had that feeling where you're watching someone give a presentation or do something, or you're reading a book and you're just like, "I could have done this better." Yes. Like, you're like, I could do this. Like, I could do this, but I could have done this better kind of deal. Yeah. That, that was like the thought that I had listening to some of these speakers. I was like, I get where you're going, but like everyone's falling asleep. Like, yes. I was, yes. I this. <laughs> and so when that excited me, I'm like, okay, I've got, how do I figure this out? So basically I graduated college knowing that I wanted to write a book um only because though all the speakers I interviewed were like if you want to speak you've got to write a book (laughs) wow I've never read a book (laughs) I I don't know how I'm gonna write a book um and and that was like I laugh at it but that was like pretty true like I was diagnosed with dyslexia in third grade and I pretty much grew up my whole life believing that I like wasn't that intelligent and didn't know couldn't do these things um and, and couldn't read. So I had figured out how to get A's on papers on written on books I'd never read. And I
0: like thought wow. oh, the
2: code, you know, like <laughs> flip through, find a good quote, write a big paragraph about it. <laughs> and um and so, so yeah, so then all these speakers are like, well, you need to write a book. And I just had no idea what that was gonna look like or what that meant. And, um, then I pass an adjunct professor turning in a final exam and he was like, Hey Steph, you're graduating. Right. And I kind of was like, how does this guy even know my name? Like he shouldn't even really know who I am. Um, and I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you going to do? I'm like, I have no idea. And he goes, you should be a life coach. And then just kind of like, it was one of those divine moments. Like he kind of walked away and I was like, what the heck
1: is that? <laughs> he was like he sent down to you to, to pass on this message.
2: What? So it was kind of like I went home, I researched what's a life coach, and I found out Oprah had a life coach, and then Oprah's life coach had a life coach training. I'm like, this sounds legit. Okay, cool. Um, and so, gosh, that would have been 2000, 2009. And I was graduating, like, okay, I need to write a book, and I want to be a life coach, but I really had no idea on where to start. And so I spun my wheels for a really long time. I, I want to say like the next four years looked like a lot of odd end jobs and like kind of half ass writing this book. And I would talk about this book but I really wasn't writing this book. And um, it was such a crazy journey of like nannying and, and just kind of like doing, believing that I was on the path but like not really taking the steps that I needed to Hmm. in order to make it happen.
1: That's so fascinating. There's so many things that I want to like dive into, like, and you haven't even gotten really to like where you are today. Like this is just the beginning. And the first thing that I want to acknowledge is, Were you consciously choosing to play to your strengths or was that just something that you naturally did? Because it sounds like with your story, you know, you were positioning yourself, you know, you said that you always wanted to do leadership, but you were really positioning yourself to excel in the world of life coaching and business speaking and all that kind of stuff, almost without realizing it because you were simply quote unquote playing to your strengths. So did you do that consciously or was that just something that was like divinely guided in a way?
2: Yeah. So it's one of those things where I had no idea what I wanted to do. It was kind of like, and in order to narrow down the colleges, it was like, pick something that you like. So I chose leadership. Like that's, I'm going to go in something involving leadership, right? And then I thought, which is so funny that I own my own business because at the time I was like, well, it's definitely not business. So like I was like, it's for sure not business. I can't do that. That's no too much math. And um, so it's just so it's just so funny looking back. But most of the leadership programs were under the category of business. So I was actually thinking psychology. And so I was like, I'm going to major in psychology, probably because, you know, I mean, I swear if you're like meant to coach, you've been coaching your entire life. So I just didn't have that language yet to know life coaching was a thing. Um, And so I went in and I got a C in psych one. And I was like, well, if I can barely pass psych one, like there's no way I'm going to be able to major in this. And my freshman year, they handed me, I was like a pre-major to do all these different courses so they could like, so I could hopefully figure out what interests me. And they handed me the books, um, StrengthsFinder. Mm. And I understood that concept very early in my college career, um, where I, you know, I did that assessment and it, it was like, this is me, this book gets me. Like, These are absolutely all my strengths. And so then I think from there, like that honestly was what inspired me. And I I just stuck with that. I was like, this method makes so much sense. This,
0: Yeah. 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 Well, first of all, I didn't even know leadership was something that you could major in. So I think that is super cool. Um, But second to that is like, I think it's amazing that you were able to go down the path of following your strengths and being able to take an assessment like that like I don't think I was even able to do anything like that because a lot of times we tend to go through life paths or pick majors based on like what other people tell us to do or like what other people tell us are our strengths but I love that you're able to kind of discover that for yourself Um, but then going back to you now being told that like in order to be a coach or a speaker you have to write this book that was almost like out of alignment with what you had been doing, which is like playing to your strengths in a sense. Is that right? Totally. totally. So how did you like navigate needing or thinking that you needed to write this book? Like, did it actually happen for you or like what kind of happened next? <laughs> yeah.
2: So I like, <laughs> I finally eventually pulled the trigger years later. Um, I guess I finally, in like 2011, I did the nine month intensive life coach training and in um, one of the like programs of an event I went to with Martha Beck, which is who I did my training through, um, there was a an ad for a publisher who only worked with individuals who wanted to make a difference in the world. And so I was like, okay, this is my publisher. Like, and literally she just like went on the vision board and I'm pretty sure she wasn't called for like another four years. Like, <laughs> I was like, that'll be the one that day when I'm ready, I'll call her. Um, you know, and then by the time I called her, she was like, who knows, 10 grand more. Um, but, but yeah, so I finally did call her and I think it took her two sales calls to finally like sell me in. And... Wow my first, and it's so funny because I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm in my twenties. Like I don't have it. I don't haven't lived enough life to like write a book. I don't know what I'm going to write a book on. And so I literally took, I was like, my grandma has an amazing story. I'll tell her story. And I wonder if I have, I do, I have those two books right here. So literally this is the book I wrote about my grandma. My grandma lived for 94 years and you can see the size of it (laughs) actually I wrote my book which is like double wow it was just so funny like when I finally did have the confidence to go wait a second I need to tell my story and that thought that like oh I haven't lived enough life or I don't I'm it's too I'm too young to like be able to write a book on my life just like goes to show you how not true. (laughs) That thought was because when I sat down to do it, it was like, oh, here comes the book. Here she is. And I think half of my initial draft was.
1: That's so interesting and such an important point that you're making. And I want to see if it ties into something that I'm thinking about right now, because you've mentioned a lot about how like you kind of flew around a little bit in the beginning, like not really sure what you wanted to do. I mean, you knew what you wanted to do, but you kind of just took your time in the sense of just testing out the waters, doing a lot of odd jobs. And then you went through the nine month life coaching intensive and then took another four years to write the book. And then you say like, you know, one of the reasons why is because you didn't feel like you were qualified to do it. Do you feel like that was like an underlying theme to a lot of the resistance that you felt when you first graduated from college because being a life coach I've gotten this feedback in the past when I told someone that one of my dreams is to be a coach they were like well I wouldn't hire you because you're 30 years younger than me and I was like well I wouldn't sell to you because you're not my client like (laughs) but you know I think there is a misconception of Um, maybe the older generations looking at a lot of these young people wanting to get into this field, life coaching and speaking and business coaching and mentoring and being like, well, what kind of experience do you have to give anybody advice on anything? So for you wanting to go into this field at a young age, was that like an underlying thing you had to overcome?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we all have a lot of those stories, right? And, and regardless of what your, um, you know, religious background is or, or what you really believe. I, for me, what I have found is my clients who kind of label that voice, the devil, <laughs> it's actually much easier to overcome those thoughts <laughs> because you aren't like taking ownership of them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of like this other force you're up against. And it's like, and mm-hmm. are competitive, like I am woman F that, like can come up and combat this, this thought because You know, we can prove, okay, let me, let me back up a little bit. Some of the thoughts you have to remember, like that thought, I'm not smart enough to write a book. I don't know how to read. Those are beliefs I had been leaving, been believing since I was in third grade. So, you know, I mean, there is a lot of science behind this, that thoughts, we actually become our thoughts, right? Like an actual, um, you know, neurological reaction happens and you create a, you know, groove in your brain that becomes you, right? I am not smart enough to do this. I am not able to write this book, right? So it's almost like as many times as you believe that and thought that before and found proof to prove that right, you have to do the opposite with a new thought. Mm. Right? It's like, every time it comes up, you have to bring your awareness to what are these limiting beliefs I have. And like, how can I actually prove that to be wrong? Mm. Uh-huh. Because the second that I knew it wasn't true or I could prove it wrong, like, well, let me, let, let me explore that. Maybe I do have enough life. Like what could I teach someone? Right. Um, mm. because I I think as long as we're human living on this planet, regardless of our age, we're still learning. You don't like reach this age of fifty and are like, "Ask me the questions. I got it all figured out." <laughs> like, I almost think the older you get, the more you realize you know nothing. You know, like you're like yeah. you just realize, wait a second. So, but if you're feeling called to mentor, you're feeling called to coach. I just don't believe that that's by accident, mm-hmm. and I think. It's because you have something
0: that you can help someone with. Yeah. I don't wow. All the answers. Right. I love that you were able to like reframe that and like reframe your limiting beliefs into a challenge, like challenging yourself of like, let me prove myself wrong. Like that is such a cool way to look at it. I never done that before.
1: I also thanks, staff, you just made a really good point about you know, if you're being called to do something that's not by accident. So to all of our listeners out there who, you know, you have this idea or this desire that you have in your mind, but there are these limiting beliefs that are saying you can't do it. You're not worthy. Who are you to do X, Y, and Z recognize if you even have the thought that you should be doing this, that is a sign that you are being called to do it. And I don't want to say the only way, but the best way to live your passion is to explore that more because that is, that is the sign that is the voice telling you go after it. And I love what you said about, you know, looking at those thoughts, those negative thoughts and renaming them the devil, because it's so much easier to be like, go the F away when it's not you that you're speaking to. And so to disassociate from those thoughts and to recognize those are not you Mm-hmm. those are the devil. Those are the resistance. Those are the X, Y, and Z. It could be a crazy ex-boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. It's so much easier to like mentally slap it in the face and be like, bye. Yeah. It's like, it's just a really cool way of thinking about it. Now I want to bring up something that you shared with us at one of your retreats. I think it was about your environment, maybe not being as initially supportive of you going out and doing this new thing and I remember you telling me a story about a dinner or something that you went to or somebody called you out in your bs would you mind sharing that story
2: no not at all so gosh I had probably I graduated coaching I hadn't written my book yet it was probably a few months actually before I was writing my book and so I was on my last family that <laughs> I was family for and I went to dinner with the girls and there's like nine of us. And I really thought these were like my closest girlfriends. So we're out to dinner and I, you know, everyone's like, it's restaurant week or whatever. So there's like discounts on everything. The wine's flowing and we're probably like a glass of wine in. And I'm talking about life coaching and one, I had one client at the time, (laughs) my one life coach client. And, um, one of the girls looks across the table from me and goes, you saying you are a coach is literally like any of us saying we're a coach. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I just like, can't believe that you really believe that. Oh my God. And the whole table goes quiet and I go quiet and I'm so triggered. And I just like took a moment with that the topic changed. I remember like getting in my car, going home, like falling and thinking like, oh my gosh, if she said that and had the courage to say that in front of all of them, I just knew that it meant they had all said that a, like a million times before she gotten validated by them before she was just going to throw something out like that. Wow. But they two agreed. And it was such an amazing mirror moment for me. And it's so crazy that you brought this up, Shelby, because I was actually just going to say that as long as people in our life, right, as long as like your mom says something that triggers you or your uncle or your boyfriend or whatever it is, right? Like it's because a part of you already believes it. So the reason why it upset me so much was because I believed it to be true. like she wasn't she wasn't entirely wrong, <laughs> right? And so I used the fact that it triggered me so much as fuel. I mean I will be honest like I did get new friends but I thought <laughs> goodbye but, like, but it also was a moment to be like, wait a second, this upset me and I'm gonna use this as fuel. Like I'm gonna show
0: them and myself. Like I'm ready. I'm gonna do. Wow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing, this thing. Yeah, I love that you just said that. What somebody else says is like a mirror of an insecurity that you have yourself. Like I've recently experienced that a couple times, and it, it's it's really true for sure.
1: Yeah, that that was like a light bulb moment for me. Stuff I think I've shared with you the past things that I've gone through similar to you, where I've noticed and I've known that. People in my life are not supportive of what I've been doing. Um, They haven't come out of the woodwork in a long time, but um, in the first couple of years of me pursuing, I wouldn't call it an alternative lifestyle, but just something that's not cut and dry, you know, easy to explain kind of thing. Um, I had a, a lot of people, quote unquote, haters, but they were friends of mine who I knew were talking about me behind my back. And you're so right in what Savant just mentioned and what you just said about the triggering thing like that it is you know you're, you're only going to get triggered by something that you somewhat believe is true if someone was like your blonde hair is so ugly you'd be like but I have brown hair like what are you talking about like you know it's like if someone were to tell me that like I don't know like if something that you believe is so not true and they were to tell you that it, it is you'd be like okay goodbye yeah, like, whatever yeah. right right but if someone was like to me your teeth are really, really crooked. Shelby, I'd be like, I wouldn't show my teeth for the rest of the time I'm talking kind of thing. Um, because I, I know that's one of my insecurities. And so it's like, that's so, so true. And I love that you mentioned the using it as fuel. That's so valuable as a young person to, to to have the awareness to do it and then to actually do it. So tell us how you use it as fuel.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's always an opportunity. It's like, why does that trigger me? And and to your point, like, if some little kid walked in and was like, oh my gosh, you're anorexic, like you look sickly ill. I'd, I'd be like, what's wrong with this kid? Like no, part <laughs> of me, like, no part of me looks in the mirror and thinks that. So no part of me is like, like, that's not even going to resonate, right? But if some kid walked in and was like, are you pregnant? I'd be, I'd be mortified. That would be something that, right? And so... Mm-hmm. So it's like, but it's always an opportunity. It's like, okay, well, what do I want to do with this? Because if it hurts me that badly, I know that I believe, like part of me believes it could be true. So what do I do with that? Right. Mm -hmm. And depending on what the thought is, you know, it's, if, if it's something around, let's say if it's something around your looks, it's like, what can I do to either show gratitude for my body or change the way I'm seeing this? right? Like, how can I love this area of me that clearly needs love? Right. Again, it's an opportunity. It's like, it's showing up for you actually so that you can go there because whoever you're meant to be on the other side of this, whoever I was meant to be the coach I was being called to be, I needed to get that pissed off by that.
0: So I have a specific question relating to like just what you just said, but also like your coaching in general Because you mentioned, like, at that point in that dinner table, only having one client and realizing that that was a point of insecurity for you. Like, what makes your coaching so unique? And how do you help new coaches work through those same insecurities of, like, I don't have a client yet, or, like, I need to get my first one, those those sort of things? Totally.
2: So at the time, I was really focused around life coaching. Right. So at the time I was working with individuals who had been through or were going through something I had been through that I'd made it that I could like help them with. Right. Um, and I was using the tools I was taught. So for me at that time, um, I was charging an amount of money that made me, that made me uncomfortable Right at the time, because I was like, I don't know, Uh, like I don't know if I can do this, but it won't go away. The tap's not going away. I've been thinking about this for years, so I at least need to give this like everything I've got and just find out if it is for me or not. Right, and I needed to. Um, I knew, I knew I could give them at least that amount of value, so in my mind, I could justify that. Like, even if I like royally screwed up or did it or failed completely wrong. Like I could at least, I would make it okay. I'd like make it better based on what they had paid me. If that makes sense. Um, how do I teach my client? Okay. So now I'm essentially business consulting for life coaches, right? Like I built a lucrative business from life coaching. I now teach others how to do that. And they are coaching on various different topics. Um, So when they're getting their first round of clients, it's a lot of like breathing life into them and breathing support into them. And I put them in a group space where other women are doing the same thing. And I think that not only challenges them, empowers them, encourages them, but then they're able to see peers who are just in a similar situation now have success, now have clients. And they're like, whoa, if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So they're seeing it work. I think If I only worked one-on-one with people, I actually don't think I would get the results that I currently do. I don't think I'd be as effective. I really believe that because there's so much power in aligning like-minded people and Mm -hmm. who are going through the same thing and doing the same thing. And again, when they're able to see others having results, they're like, okay, what do I have to lose? Like, okay, I, I gotta give this everything I have.
1: Yeah. And I want to touch on that because I've actually had the privilege of being part of that group. And I remember like one of the first days of being put into that space, it was right at the end of the month. And you do these awesome posts where everyone gives their like monthly updates. And there were women there who were like, closed six year long contracts, like $12,000 earned this month. And I'm like, holy shit. Like (laughs) this is real. This is so real. This is actually working. And, um, what I really appreciate about you and your coaching style stuff. And I want you to talk on this because I know you're really passionate about this, but I think in today's time where the digital lifestyle, the digital nomad, the laptop lifestyle, like all of these different phrases that essentially mean work from wherever you want on a various degree of Work, quote unquote. Um, it's sometimes easy to get sucked into buy my pretty product because it looks really nice on my Facebook newsfeed. And um, you know, you you've helped me so much in distinguishing between what actually gets results and what makes me feel like they're getting results. In the sense of, I like to be the creative person that's going to design the website, design the flyers, design the Instagram, design all the content. But what you forced me to do was like, okay, actually get out there and do the thing. And I know you're really passionate about that. And, and Savan, to answer your question, not for Steph, but I want Steph to share her philosophy on business consulting with life coaches. Because I think a lot of people want to be coaches and they find a coaching program that. Makes them feel like they're doing all the work because they have them creating all this backend stuff. But really what gets the work done is when you actually get clients mm-hmm. and when you're actually getting paid. And so Steph, can you touch on that from like the, the coaching life perspective?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am all about results. And when my clients come to me, they want to make a difference in the lives of others. They all have this in common. They want to make a difference and they also want to make lucrative income and create some serious freedom in their life whatever that means to them right i have clients who want to live in mansions and and um, fly private jets and i have clients who like all they want is to just like live in a camper in the middle of nowhere right <laughs> so it's like whatever freedom means to that individual right um and because of that I want them to get results quickly. I also really want them to know, like, is coaching for me and who do I want to coach? All the pretty website stuff is great. When you know who it is that you're speaking to, right? So it's so easy to get stuck in like, what color should I have for my website? What headshot should I have for my website? What? And if you don't know who you're going to serve yet, like you have an idea. I think it's, um, you know, quarter life crisis. I think it's um, single mothers. I think it's like, you don't really know till you start working with them right now. That idea is just a breadcrumb. So the second that you have those clients and you're like, Oh wait, it's not actually these people. It's actually their 12 year old daughters. Okay. Well, now your website looks completely different. So if we started with the website, we started with the marketing, we'd have to keep redoing it. And it's like, I'd rather just make you money in the process right? Going through that that whole process costs money. Like none of that stuff is free. And then it's like another loophole. Oh, and then you talk to someone who's like, now nah, you need a logo and you're getting advice from all these people, yet most of them are not successful in what you want to do, right? And so... Um, it's so interesting. Like if we could go into basically like any Facebook group or anywhere and just ask a question and people who have no idea what they're talking about will respond with an answer. It's unbelievable. Like people (laughs) love to give answers to things that they know nothing about (laughs) and act very confident in their responses. So, um, so yeah, so for me, I'm like, let's just get you clients. Let's get you doing the thing that you want to do. And then we can do all that other stuff, right? Because it is fun to have a nice website and it's it's not where you're going to get clients from, but it's nice for our ego and to feel like we're professional and to like have a place to send them. So that's cool. Um, But again, it's like, let's get you real results first. Let's also know who you actually want to serve before we do all that.
1: Yeah, it's so, so important what you're just saying now because I think in today's time, we the first place we look to validate someone's being is their social presence. And that can really trip you up. Like I think about you, Steph, on Instagram, like you don't have tens of thousands of followers, but you make six figures plus per year coaching. And I know women who have hundreds of thousands of followers who claim to be a coach, but they don't really know what they're doing. And I think when it comes down to it, like what you have the ability to teach women is how to just get into action and to stop worrying so much about how they look on the exterior, but trust what they can provide on the interior, and then go out there and take the action, make the mistakes, have the the sales calls, practice pitching themselves Understand what their value is, then like create the program. Like the best advice you ever gave to me was to stop getting ready to get ready or something along those lines. Because when I was in the midst of creating my women in the workplace program, like I was finding myself falling into the trap of like trying to plan out every single call before I had any client. And then you're like, just get on the sales call. Like just go and get the clients. And then the minute that I got my first two clients, I was like, well, shit. Now I have to create something. And I was able to actually get into motion because I had this deadline all of a sudden on my back because I had promised these women this program was going to start on August 1st. And if I didn't have something on August 1st, then I was going to be screwed. So like, 100%. it was just, different. it was so great. Yeah. And that's the trick. It's like,
2: sell it first because they also weren't buying all the details from you. And once we have all the details laid out, it becomes so easy to sell it that way. And that's not actually what they're buying from you. Like they're they're buying the problem that you're solving. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm always like, go sell it first. Also, you're gonna customize it to the people in there. So once you sold your first two, they inspired the content. And the content's easy. Like that stuff's gonna flow out of you like water. It's It's the selling it. that we like to get stuck and tripped up in. That's 100%. And it's actually funny that you say that, because I have less than 2,000 followers online and I have uh, women in my group now who have 10,000 plus and we're making no money. Mm -hmm. And so teaching them how to monetize that because we have this idea that followers equate to dollars and they just don't. Like they just don't. You have to learn how to speak to that audience and, um, and really engage. And for most of my clients, when I ask them at the end of their life, I'm like, the end of the life, if you have a million views or you have a viral video or you're, you know, super popular, is that really what you wanted? Or did you really want to change lives? Because we've sometimes got to be willing to relinquish the one for the other
0: absolutely I love that yeah so I think it's so it's really easy to get caught up in that and I've gotten caught up in that myself and I'm guilty of somebody who's done all of the because I'm in branding graphic design so like that's what I know how to do so guilty right here for trying to make everything look good and pretty before I actually do the thing that needs to be done
1: yeah now Steph I really want you to touch on A topic that I think for women in particular can be really scary. And that is the topic of pricing yourself. So a lot of our listeners, they're people in corporate America, and maybe this won't exactly pertain to them, But I do know that we have some listeners who are like, I want to get out of corporate America. I want to build something. I want to create something. And I think women particularly get really afraid about pricing it well and they want to give things away for free just to test it out but you are very much against like the beta groups and giving things away for free and all that kind of stuff and I know when I launched my women in the workplace program you thought I was crazy because of how little I was charging and looking back on it I totally was I totally should have charged twice if not triple the amount that I did but I was like really battling some some inner fear and I know now what I'm going to be doing in the future but Can you just touch on just this idea of pricing yourself and asking, because I think sales for a lot of people is scary enough when you're selling yourself, it's like even scarier. So can you just touch on that?
2: Yeah. And here's the shift. It's not selling yourself. It's, it's selling the problem you're solving. So when, so that idea of, um, your value charge, your value is just like such a mind F. Like, like, what does that even mean? Like, so if I have a successful client, am I worth more? If I have a client who's not successful, am I worth less? If I go do a training, am I worth more? If I go to this other certification, am I worth like, what are you saying? That doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, I think that is one of the most, um, I get really fired up about that languaging. So I'm like, that's not helpful. That's not a place of service. You're, you're closing a a gap for somebody. You're, you're helping them solve a problem. What is the value in that for them? And I'll tell you whatever number you're thinking it's worth more. But (laughs) when I'm, especially when I'm first starting out, the number should make you almost want to throw up. Like the number should be high enough that the thought of you saying it out loud is like you can kind of feel stuff coming up in your throat a little bit (laughs) it might not come out the first like one to three times somehow it'll come out like half as much or lower and that's okay but keep aiming for that number usually that number is around 1500 for my clients so if they're like gonna do an eight-week program 1500 seems a little bit um it's 1500 you know like it should (laughs) feel a little bit like that um and again, that is, that is for them. It's not for you. It's so that they show up because you want them to get the result. So I always say things for free have no value. And it's kind of like when you, the analogy I always use is when you're like at the home show, like how many people are going to go home with a bunch of magnets and a bunch of keychains Cause they were just like free on random desks or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they were actually in, they were actually looking for keychains or in the shopping for magnets, right? It's just because people like free shit. So like what happens is you have a beta group or you have a free group and all of a sudden a bunch of people think that they're doing you a favor. So they maybe show up for the first time. They're kind of in it. They're kind of not in it. They're not really doing the work. So you don't really know if you have a good product or not because you're not really getting results because people aren't really showing up. And you're getting pissed because you're putting all this time into it and you're super into it, but they aren't because they kind of just signed up because they thought they were doing you a favor because you're doing this free thing you're trying out. And so all of a sudden you don't actually, it's not a beta group. You don't actually know if it worked or not. Because you basically just had a bunch of people who just picked up a bunch of free keychains. You know, like, um. you don't really know.
1: It's um. literally so true, Steph, because I think about, like, my experience with you. I mean, I hired you at a point where I was like, I don't know what to do with my life because I am miserable, and I have my credit card, and I swept my credit card, and I was like, I'm just going to give this a try. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like I'm going to give it a try. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but, like, I'm a little bit scared, but I'm going to make it happen. And for the first like six months, I mean, I was really fortunate in, in finding that creating the job that I did for myself, that basically was exactly what I hired you to help me do. But I still felt this fire within me to create something one, because I knew that was what I was called to do, but also because I spent a pretty penny and I was like, i, I I want to, I want to get an ROI on this, like a positive ROI. And my business mind kicked in and was like, all right, shall like go out there and like make something of what you just spent several thousand dollars on. And, and at the end of the day, like I was really comfortable in my position because here I was in a position that, you know, paid me a, a decent salary to start. And I was really excited about it and it was exactly what I was looking for. And so I very well could have just sat back and been like, okay, I'm good. But having made that investment, having that skin in the game was like, all right, but like, you also have this, like also like follow through on your commitment to do this for yourself, because that's what you hired her to help you do. And so when you say like, it's about the problem, like it's so true. Like the the investment that you're asking people to make is not for you. It's for them.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. And then the other part of that, that I will say is, especially when I'm coaching people, I'm like, I'd rather you just do it than get hung up on the price. So it's like, I don't argue with my clients, you know, Shelby, you experience this. Yes, I want you yeah. to charge triple what you charge, but I also wasn't going to let you not do the thing. It was like, well, fine. If you, that, that's got to be the price, then just sell it at that price. I don't even care. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, and the next time you'll charge double.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Absolutely. So do you have any other yeah. questions, Yvonne? Um, No, I mean, I, I just think what you said is completely 100% true. Like I've heard that before too, is like the amount you charge is equal to the level of commitment that somebody's going to make for you. Um, but we are getting close to the end. So to just wrap it all up, we just wanted to ask you one last final question that we ask most of our guests on here, which is if you were to go back and give yourself a piece of advice, what would that be?
2: Yeah, so... This is such a good question. Honestly, um, if I could go back in time and give myself one piece of advice, it would be be brave. Like do the scariest thing first (laughs) Um, and trust because the rest of it does just fall into place. And even if you don't know, even if you're going to take a big leap in one direction, like there will be a net, there will be another breadcrumb, even if it's not the end all be all final thing. It will be the thing that leads you to the next thing. That could be the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It would just be, be brave and trust.
1: I love it. Steph, where can people find you online if they want to stay connected, get connected, learn more about you?
2: Yeah. So I'm at Steph gold, um, underscore life coach on Instagram. And then I think I'm in a pink dress and then, um, on
1: Facebook. I'm just Steph Gold. Amazing. Awesome.
0: This has been really inspirational. So thank you for sharing your story with us.
1: Yeah, I loved it. And I'm actually going to do like a little crazy giveaway just because I'm feeling it. Oh, really? Yeah. So for all of our listeners, you know, thank you for those who stuck it out with us and listened to the entire episode. So if you are listening to this right now, go ahead, take a screenshot that you're listening to it, post it on Instagram, tag, wait, am I an adult now? And tag Steph Gold. Is it Steph Gold Life Coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steph Gold underscore Life Coach. Yeah, yeah. So tag Wait My Adult Now and Steph Gold underscore Life Coach on your Instagram, and we will choose one random winner, and I will send you Steph Gold's book. Now is your time. Nice. Is that right?
2: Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. yes. And I'll yeah. like back that, and I'll pick one too because I love giveaways.
1: You know, uh, perfect. Awesome. Oh I love
2: my it. God, I giveaways, I get so into it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know they're fun. They're really great. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please go and follow Steph. Get to know who she is. She is someone who I am so grateful for. She's absolutely incredible. What she's done for my life, and I know for so many other women's life, is nothing short of amazing. So. Go show her some love, and of course, if you enjoyed this episode, go rate us on iTunes. Give us a five star. We love it. It makes us our it
0: makes our day. Surely does. <laughs> yeah, it really
1: does. And uh, leave a little review if you can. All right, guys, thank you so much, and have a great day, morning, night, afternoon, whatever time. You listen to this. Bye. We love you guys. Bye.